But I wanted to take a, a moment just before we uh, dive into our text uh, this morning. And I want to acknowledge uh, an act of faithfulness, not just one act of faithfulness, but 20 years of faithfulness. I want to invite up, she doesn't know I'm doing this right now, but I want to invite up Nancy Angel uh, to come forward. If you guys have not met Nancy Angel before, hi, Nancy. (laughs) Well, here's this for you. Well, Nancy has been serving at, look at the standing ovation and everything. Nancy has been serving at ABF for the last 20 years this past month, and what a gift she is to this church. Honestly, like I think a huge piece of why this church is here today, obviously there's that God component, uh, but there's angel component in it as well. And, uh, and so uh, we're just grateful for, for Nancy and just her faithfulness over the, the years through tough times, through good times. She has uh, been a constant at this church. And so we're so grateful for what she brings currently to our team. She's so much fun, honestly. Like in the staff, I had somebody in our staff team, I thought this was funny, that was jotting down different fun things that Nancy says uh, that are unique only to Nancy. She had a running list. I just wanted to mention a couple of those. When, when she has trouble getting something out of her mind, out of her head, she refers to it as a bee in her bonnet. She's like, I've just got a bee in my bonnet. I just got that going. Or, or this is one is when she's in a rush, she's saying, chop, chop, suey, time to get going. And she, she refers to chop, chop, suey. I'm not sure how that relates to going fast. Or when something's difficult or seemingly impossible, she says, trying to corral a bunch of greased pigs. <laughs> and and so, so maybe you guys can add those into your uh, language repertoire uh, as you're referring to difficult times. And so we're just so thankful for Nancy. So what we did is we, we rallied together and we got Nancy uh, money for a plane ticket to go see your son and uh, daughter-in-law and two granddaughters in Atlanta. And so hopefully she can pull away from the office, although she'll be missed. Uh, and so I wanted to give that as a gift and just to, to say thank you as a church. Thank you very much, Nancy. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Well, I thought that was only appropriate as we're in a series talking about finishing well and going the the long haul and what a a gift Nancy's been to our church. And so we're continuing. Actually, today's our last week. I'm kind of sad about this in our Second Timothy series. And so uh, we're going to be finishing up in chapter four here today. And as I've mentioned before, this has been really a a ride and experience about uh, just a call and a challenge to finish strong. We've talked about that a lot, and one of the things that help us, helps us finish strong is keeping an eye on eternity. We've called this series uh, Eternity Now, and the truth is about finishing strong, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right? If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. I was reading some statistics uh, this past week that were a little bit concerning to me. I was reading uh, pulled together by Focus on the Family and Barna, I thought this was fascinating that 60 to 80% of pastors leave ministry within the first 10 years. Isn't that crazy? I was reading that 9 out of 10 pastors don't finish as a pastor. That's crazy. 9 out of 10. So I've beat the 10 year mark. We can be praying towards that 9 out of 10 uh, uh, goal here. But I was reading. 
Wow, that was that was fun. Uh, so so uh, so so I was thinking about this this idea of of finishing strong. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But the truth is, not just for pastors, and that's who uh, Paul has been writing to, is to a younger pastor Timothy. But for each of us, it's a challenge. It's a key. It's a it's a challenge to keep going strong in our faith all the way across the finish line. And the truth is, is that there's a ton of obstacles that get in our way along the road, right? Anybody else, is that an amen statement? Tons of obstacles to finishing uh, strong and keep, keep enduring. What I've noticed, though, in finishing strong and relating to obstacles is it helps if you get a, a chance to see them before they're coming, right? If Before they're coming. Otherwise, I hate when things are blindsided. When you're blindsided by something, you're like, I did not see that coming. So my hope and prayer this morning is that going through these different obstacles gives us a chance to see it before it's coming. One of the obstacles that I uh, collided with, if you will, if you, will uh, you might not know this about me, is... Um, I buy and sell uh, cars as kind of a hobby. I have fun with that. I've always, since I was a little kid, just loved cars. And this one particular time, I, I purchased a car uh, sight unseen in Texas and uh, hopped, on a, hopped on a flight, uh, flew down there, met somebody at the airport, unbeknownst to me, uh, w- with uh, a lot of cash in my pocket, and, uh, and, and showed up at this, uh, this meeting point, hopped in the car, and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to drive this, this new car all not brand new, uh, used car all the way back to Chicago from Texas. And so I, I decided, you know what, it, it got to that point where it was like one in the morning and I was about three hours away from home and it was that crossroads where the cheapskate kicks in where I'm like, do I stay at a hotel? Anybody else have this before? Or you keep driving. What do you think I did? Kept driving. So I'm somewhere in Paducah, Kentucky. It's pitch black, middle of nowhere. I see up ahead, and I'm I'm sure I'm going the speed limit. And uh, see up ahead uh, to the right, I see some uh, blinking lights that somebody had pulled off to the side of the road. I'm like, oh, I wonder what that is. But I didn't really slow down; just keep on cruising. I look back in the center of the lane that I'm going, and there's a deer that this guy had just hit. And it's, it's on its side, and it's looking up at me coming, and it's got this panicked look, and that was the last look it ever had. Uh, because I, I plowed into this poor thing at, at 65 miles an hour and, uh, and, and, and uh, put the poor thing to its rest. It's now with the Lord. And, uh, and, and so, but I remember, man, if I would have just had some kind of warning that this was coming, this obstacle, man, did my car smell. Like it cooked on the bottom of my car for the next four hours. And, uh, and minimal damage, thank the Lord, to the car. Uh, but... but uh, but man, if I would have seen that obstacle in the center of the road, I could, could have tapped the brakes, I could have swerved, I could have done something to avoid this collision. But the truth is, a lot of times in our walk with Christ, we're just like, we, we, don't, we don't see those obstacles coming, so we just keep plowing on through. And when they come, we're blindsided. And it wrecks us. It takes us off course. And Paul goes through a number of things. He, he's more speaking from his own experience here. He talks about a number of these obstacles. See if you can relate to, to one of these four that we mentioned here in the text. Feeling alone, living with less, people opposing you, or people deserting you. He mentions those four as, as a reality in his own life, in his own experience. And if we're not aware of those, if we're not careful, we can derail, as we've talked about in this book already, uh, from, from staying the course. 
I was listening to one pastor that was talking and he said, you know what, basically people fall into four different categories. And, and really this, this life is going to determine which of these four categories we fall into. Whether we, this is, this is category one, start strong, finish strong. People that start strong, stay the course, keep going all the way through. And there's stories of people that start poorly and finish poorly. They blow it all the way through life. You think it's not possible, but they do it. They miss the mark all the way through. So start strong, finish strong, start poorly, finish poorly. Or how about this one? Start strong, but finish poorly. The people that they started, they were just, just that, that's a little bit more of my story. Started, started, uh, or I'm st- sorry, just the opposite, hopefully. Uh, start strong, finish poorly. Or the last one, start poorly and finish strong. Does that make sense? So those four different categories, are you're, you're either plowing all the way through, staying focused. You've got the person that never, ever got focused. You've got the person that started poorly but ended strong or the person that started strong and finished poorly. And we're going to see each of those four different type people in our text here this morning. So before we uh, dive in, let me just start in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for this chance to be together and, and looking at your word and just how practical it is as we look at Paul's life and hear hundreds of years later, we were, we're standing with a lot of the same exact obstacles. God, I thank you for this glimpse into the, that reality and hopefully this pre-warning to some of those things that, that we can collide in that can keep us from finishing strong. God, I pray that you'd use this text as a, as a warning, as a, as a tap on the brakes to keep us from colliding into these things, God. We pray that you'd speak now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you guys want to turn with me, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy, starting in verse 9. You can turn there and make sure I'm telling the truth. Uh, here we are in verse 9. It says this. It says, Do your best to come to me soon. He's talking to Timothy. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Lots of dogs there. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. So let's pause there for a second. Let's... First, notice what's, what's happening here. Is it's, it's interesting. You can't definitely get the tone that, that, that Paul's lonely here. Paul's lonely here. What's he saying? Do your best to come to me soon. He, he's, he's pleading with his, probably his closest friend, like, come be with me, man. This, this stinks. How long can you be in a hole by yourself and not have that, that reality of loneliness start to sink in? I don't know if any of you that are that are married are like me in this. That like it, it takes my my wife being away like one day, and I'm like, I'm lonely. Like I don't. This house is is real quiet. I don't like it. I, I John, are you with me on that? You're like uh, the, all of a sudden the the, the guy time's like I don't like that. I I miss her. Like I I can't imagine the the reality the reality here. As Paul's speaking to his young buddy, he's got no wife, no kids. Even what he's invested in his closest ministry partners, many of them have gone away. Some for good reason and some for not. What does it say there in the text, the for not? The one, the, the, a great example of someone that started strong and finished poorly. Started strong and finished poorly. Demas. Demas, he says, for Demas, in love 
with this present world has deserted me. For Demas, in love with this present world, loved this world as much as we don't want to admit it. It doesn't work to love both. It doesn't work to love both. That's why in 1 John 2.15 it says, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. They are opposing kingdoms. And when times get difficult, when times get rough, what happens is it reveals what our true love is. For Demas, he was, he was hanging out with Paul. He was, he was his sidekick. In fact, uh, Colossians 4.12 refers to him. Philemon 1.24, which were both written about five years prior to this. Both of them talking about him as being somebody, a faithful partner in ministry. But what's happened? What's happened? As the, as, the, as the heat has gotten turned up, as things have gotten difficult, what happened? He chose to abandon Paul. He left. He, 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 uh, he made his choice as to where his love was at. His true love was exposed. I was thinking about that in, a, in our own lives. How many people we can point to that man, you're like, man, they, they used to be around doing the, the church thing and the God thing and the following Christ thing. And, and, and truth be told, they, they've wandered. They've made their choice. They've chose what kingdom they want to be part of. For us, our question is, where are we going to end with this? Where are we going to end? Are we going to choose to keep following strong, following that, the, the staying on the, the straight and narrow? Or are we going to fall by the wayside, falling in love with this world? You can't love both. You can't love both. Points out two other people, Crescens and Titus, and we have no reason to think that they didn't stay faithful. Titus, it refers to in the uh, many times in the New Testament as somebody that stayed the course being faithful. And then one other person that he points out, who does it mention, is, is alone with him. He refers to Luke. Luke, and uh, at first you can, can look at that. It, sound, it sounds the tone, if, if I were Luke and I was reading that, it's like, Luke alone is with me, kind of like, oh man, I'm stuck with this Luke guy. But I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I don't think it was that at all. I think it was actually a, a huge compliment. Luke is more of an example of someone that started strong and finished strong. Somebody that started strong and finished strong. He's the the only Gentile author in the New Testament. Did you know that? Only Gentile author in the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. He stayed with Paul till the very end. Till, I mean, these are, these are Paul's very last days, and he's able to say, like, hey, I've got nobody else with me, just Luke, man. He's the one. He's the faithful one. Sometimes I think that in our testimonies and the things that we celebrate even in, in church world, we have a tendency to, to celebrate the, uh, the drug addict or the person that was in prison and then they come to Christ. And, and sometimes I think our, our focus is wrong on who we're celebrating. I'm like, what about the homeschool kid that stayed in the Word, stayed the course all the way through? What about that testimony? I'm like, why isn't that making the videos? Why isn't that the highlight reel? You know, that's, there's something to be said about staying the course all the way through, following Jesus Christ. That, that, that's Luke. That's Luke. He's like, he's, he's the one. He's the one that stayed the course. He started strong and finished strong. Then he points out the, the, uh, another person there, which is, which is actually interesting. Who's, who's the next person that he points out there? Points out, he points out Mark. He says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. 
Anybody have an idea why that's kind of a, a strange request? Uh, what 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 had, ha- what had what had happened? What had happened with uh, with Mark prior to this? What was what was he known for doing? On on the first missionary journey that Paul went on, Mark abandoned him. He bailed out. He left. He went home. He he, he left and and left the mission. Left the call. And it probably wasn't too. Paul wasn't too jazzed about it. In fact, the, in their second, Paul's second missionary journey, Mark was all lined up, bags packed, ready to go, go on this next trip with Paul. And Paul's like, uh-uh, that guy ain't coming with me. What happened last time he came? He, he bailed out. He went home. He left. He abandoned me. But Barnabas, who, who was actually, thought this is a, that he was actually Mark's older cousin, Barnabas, do you remember this, gets into this huge argument with Paul saying, like, no, he needs to come. He needs to come. And they have this huge disagreement. And what happens? They go two separate directions. They go two separate directions because Mark was not known as being faithful. But the cool thing with Mark is that he started poorly but finished strong. Started poorly but finished strong. The New Testament goes on to, uh, to highlight that the fact that he became somebody that was faithful and consistent after that. That after they separated, which God then used that separation, which was cool to reach more and more people for Christ. He was still glorified through that. 20 years later now, as Paul's writing this, Mark has gotten back on track. And he's celebrating him as one of the people that's faithful. He's saying, man, he's useful. He's useful for ministry. And to me, I was thinking about that. And I was like, that's encouraging for those of us that had maybe a season where we were just not, that we were unfaithful. Like we look back and we're like, man, I was not following the Lord. Maybe that some of you are in that season at this very moment. But that, 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 that reality is, is that there's hope, that there's the, the chance to turn that bus around, if you will, and start heading the right direction and be considered at, at the end there, he says, considered as a faithful, somebody that was valuable to Paul. So all of these things were examples of, of Paul's story and why he was in the middle of this, this season where he's, he's just feeling lonely. He's feeling lonely. But you notice that, that he doesn't use that as an excuse to quit. For us, the question is, is, is loneliness our obstacle? Is that an obstacle in our life? The next one that we see in the text in verse 13 says this. When you come, referring to Timothy, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Above all, the parchments. So we see here that Paul is living with less, to say the least. A lot of us, a lot of us, I, I mean, look at what he's saying there. He's, he's like, bring my cloak. This was a, a heavy wool garment that served as a, a jacket, kind of a combo deal, kind of like a snuggly. Or what were those things that they put on, like to watch TV? Or it's like, anyway, <laughs> snuggy, that's it. Uh, it says, bring my cloak heavy. It was a heavy wool garment, served as a jacket and a blanket. Later on in the chapter, he's, he's very clear that he's saying, in verse 21, he goes on to say, come before winter, because this reality is, he's cold. He's cold. This, this faithful servant of the Lord, this faithful man that's followed Christ and been faithful ever since the, the road to Damascus encounter, is now in his, his retirement years, his golden years, is what? He's cold. 
He's cold. He's left in a, alone in a dark, a dark dungeon, probably damp, probably pretty miserable. And what's he asking for? What's he asking for? He's asking for his, his coat. He's asking for his books and parchment. Books would have been either maybe parts of the Old Testament, maybe letters that he's written. Uh, parchment was what they actually wrote on. It was something that was pretty valuable. Maybe he, he was wanting to, he's like, I'm not done writing. I'm, I'm going to be studying and writing to my very last breath. I think it's fascinating. At the very end of this faithful man's life, what's he asking for? His, a blanket in his Bible. A blanket in his Bible. How cool is that? Like a, a man of God. Like we, we, we don't need much. Just a, just a blanket in our Bible, right? And, and I, I love that because that's, that's the reality is a lot of times in following Christ, it has to do with living with less. Living with less. Now, we're in a, in a culture of, uh, 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 that's very different than, than then, and things aren't as rough in our culture right now. There, there's, we're in a, a, the land of plenty, if we're honest with ourselves. But that doesn't mean that there's still not points of living with less, right? Living with less, for sure. Think back in, in your own life, some of the things that, that you give up that your neighbor maybe doesn't. How, how about this one? How about, how about free time? How about free time when, when they're going and doing the sports thing and they're just channel surfing and you're like, no, I'm committed to life group. No, I'm, I'm serving in Awana. No, I'm at the, this men's breakfast. All, all, of these, all of these things that maybe one of the things that we've given up is free time. Saying, no, I'm going to elevate things of God as a priority. I'm going to get up on seven at 7 a.m. and do a walk to, to, to support I empathize, you know, or run for some of you crazy folks. Uh, but, but, but this idea of some of the times what we give up has to do with, with our, our relaxation or our downtime, if you will. Is it, isn't it fascinating to, to you when you're, you're leaving your neighborhood? It's pretty sad to me as I think and I look down the block and you see how many cars are still in the driveway, right, on a Sunday morning. Like, nope, but I, I'm going to make it a priority. My family's going to be here, going to be worshiping the Lord together. A lot of things that's given up in following Christ. How about this? How about watching your peers, for you businessmen, watching your peers move ahead in business due to dishonest practices? You're watching other people succeed, man. And that's, that's everywhere you look in the world around us, right, John? Like, it, it's, it's, you, you point down any business circle and you're exposed to that. You're like, man, I could get a little bit ahead if I if I if I just just fudge the numbers a little bit on the the taxes if I if I made this choice to kind of do this uh, under the, the the table if I, I skip getting this building permit or or you fill in the blank what that what that might be uh, but but there's lots of ways that you can cut corners and we make the choice to live with less live with less how about this giving up peace in your home. How about giving up peace in your home? And you're like, what do you mean giving up peace in your home? How about this? When you made the choice as a parent to stand up for what was right and it wasn't real popular with your kid. Or vice versa. As a kid, you stood up for the right thing and it wasn't real popular with your parent. You take a, take a look at that. There's a lot of times peace and, 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 and all of these things are things that you make the choice to give up in following Christ. That's definitely an obstacle in following the Lord. Is this the obstacle that you're aware of? Something to be watching for. So we move on in the text. Another one, a little bit more blatant, is this. Verse 14 says, Alexander, the coppersmith, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. 
people are a tricky thing, aren't they? People can be such a source of encouragement, like they can be a wonderful thing, but they can also be a source of opposition, opposing, finishing strong. We're not exactly sure here uh, which Alexander they're referring to. Alexander was a, a pretty common name in that time. It was kind of like John or Joe or whatever in, in present day. Uh, but, but there in that time is a co- pretty common name. But I found it interesting that out of all of this, Paul's sitting in a prison cell, and he's not pointing out the opposition of a, of a Roman leader. He's not putting out the, uh, uh, the obstacle of a, of, of a religious leader of the time. Who, who's he pointing out? Just, a, just an average Joe guy. He's saying that he's saying he's, he's uh, this coppersmith opposed his ministry opposed his ministry. A lot of times I think we have this idea in church that the person with the most influence is maybe the, the elder chairman or maybe the pastor. The scary truth is, is that the mom on the phone gossiping or opposing or stirring up uh, dissension amongst the body of Christ can have just as much influence, which is crazy to think about, as somebody in a leadership role, Right? That's what, what happens, and that's the way that Satan works, is he uses the common, everyday person, the Alexander in the group. Paul isn't listing his, his beatings as an opposition or his stonings. He's saying, man, this guy, man, he just kept coming against me, kept coming against me. Beware of him. He's an example of maybe potentially somebody that started poorly and ended poorly. This person, who, there, was no, there was no hint or sign of things getting better. He's saying, beware of him yourself. For he strongly opposed our message. I don't know if you've experienced that in your own life, an opposition to you standing up for Christ, but that's what he's pointing out as this example. I've, uh, my, my wife and I have been blessed by a gentleman in uh, lives in uh, Westlake. He has a chiropractic office there, and through a, 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 some other relationships, he was introduced to us and has been blessing our family by treating uh, both Adrian and I for free, which is pretty cool in chiropractic stuff. So, so if I look extra straight, my posture's good. There's a reason behind that. And, uh, and, and so we've, we've gone to the, this guy for a couple of months now. Uh, and he's been such a blessing, and he was telling me the story. He's super vocal about Christ and has no problem about bringing him into the workplace. He's got, in, in his office, he's got Christian music playing on the screens, the TV screens. He's got verses quoted, like, in his, I was like, this is awesome, man. He's, got, he's like, no, no abandon uh, in following Christ, but he's like, man, he says, that, that hasn't come without a cost. He's telling me the story this past week. How this one time he had a guy, a, a guy in that was just, just kept going against him. And he, he, was, he was pointing out, he says, I was talking to this guy and explaining like, yeah, the food that you put in you is important, but the one that does the healing in your life is God. And the guy's like, no, it's not. It's food. It's food. Food does the healing. That's, what, that's the way our, our body's made. He's but like, who made the food? Like, who, who made the body? Like going back and forth with this guy. So much that this guy started getting so fired up. And, and this doctor is like the most lovable guy. It just started opposing him, opposing him so much to the point that he had to ask this guy. He said, well, I'm sorry, sir. This might not be the right office for you to, uh, to be treated in. So much that he had to have the guy escorted out of the office because he kept opposing him. The guy went on, for, for my understanding, for months, like writing emails, uh, uh, taking his name to the board and opposing him, and like just ridiculous opposition just because this man, this doctor, chose to elevate Jesus Christ in his practice. 
That's the kind of opposition when we choose to put the the flag high. That's the kind of opposition we should expect and not be surprised by. That's another obstacle. Don't be surprised by it. But I love that his response that he, that he says in the text, I, I, I think this is a little nugget to take away. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will, will repay him according to his deeds. I think that's a, a wonderful lesson for us to learn. For us, like it's not our job to go on uh, toe-to-toe with a person that's opposing us. And I'm like, well, I'm going to set things straight with this guy. What, is, what, is, what does Paul say? He's like, you know what? I'm just trusting that God... The righteous judge is going to take care of it. I don't have to solve this. I can release it because I've got a dad upstairs that, that this guy doesn't want to go toes to, toe-to-toe with. You know what I'm saying? And so, so for us, maybe that's a, a takeaway for us uh, when we're dealing with opposition in our life. It's not our responsibility to solve it but release it to the righteous judge that can. So opposition number three, people or uh, obstacle number three, people opposing you. The last one we're going to see in the, the text here is people deserting you. People deserting you. Take a look at verse 16. It says, at my defense, this was actually a court, a court date, if you will. At my defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. So that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This truth here pointed out, verse 16, what does it say? It's a pretty sad verse. It It says, all deserted me. All deserted me. While, while Paul's life was on the line, when, he, when he, there was the opportunity for people to speak up in his defense and defend him, what does it say happened? Man, nobody showed up. It was an empty courtroom. It was completely blank. Paul's thinking of others, but nobody is thinking of him. It's a sad statement for the man that, that wrote the majority of the New Testament. If there's a, do, you th- do you think there's probably some people out there that could have come to his side that should have been speaking up in his defense? Some people that he had gone out on a limb to, to reach with the, the love of Jesus Christ. And, and so it says, man, don't be surprised. But while Paul's thinking of others, nobody's thinking of him. I can't imagine this degree of abandonment. I can't imagine what that would feel like. You're standing there in court. You're wait, waiting. Is anybody going to show up to, to speak on my behalf? Nobody showed up. Nobody showed up. On a, on a much smaller scale, I was serving with a, a college ministry for a season and, uh, and was, at, a, uh, it was at, at the end of a a series that we did on outreach and evangelism and wanting to stir people's hard, hearts up for, for reaching out to the lost and, and I had poured my heart into the, this sermon series, if you will. And at the, the end of it, we had a chance for people to respond and, and to come out. We were going to have an afternoon at one of the uh, community colleges in the campus and we are going to do an a, a outreach there and hand out flyers, talk with people, engage with the world around us, take some, some risks for Christ Remember showing up, I was all excited it was about is in the, in the late afternoon, and you can probably guess where this is going. I show up and I'm all excited. Who's gonna show up? This is gonna be awesome, man. We're gonna we're gonna take this kid, it's gonna be a revival here on this campus. And I, I show up and, and I'm waiting, it's 
it's time that people are supposed to show up and, and, and get here. Wait a second. Oh, well, people just run a little late. Uh, 15 minutes later, oh, you know college students, they, they're always real late. 20 minutes later, half an hour later, you, you know who showed up? Nobody. Nobody showed up. Nobody showed up to this, this outreach that we've been building up to for, for, for weeks and weeks. And there, there's that, that feeling of like, wait a second. And, and Satan starts playing tricks in your mind and starts working you over and starts saying like, man, what you're, what you're doing, what was the point of that? You imagine Paul going through the exact same thing as he's sitting in prison. Like how, how that, that foothold, it would have been so easy for him to go down that trail, Right? be so easy to start buying into the lies of, of the enemy when we've been abandoned, when we've been deserted by someone that we love, someone that we care about, people that we've, that we've invested in. It would have been so easy for that alone to derail him. But the truth is, we're only responsible for our actions. We can't control other people's actions. You know how many times I, I, I bring that up in counseling with people? It's just like, hey, you're only responsible for you. There's freedom in that. There's a release in that. You're responsible for you, period. You can't control other people. It's not an excuse for your unfaithfulness just because those around you are not unfaithful. But I love how he responds to desertion. What, is, what does he say there in the, in the text? It says, May it not be charged against them. Following the example of Jesus Christ where Jesus says, Forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't know. They don't get it. And even at this lowest point in Paul's life where he's feeling cold, alone, deserted, opposed, what does he choose to do? He says, May it not be held against them. Because why? Because, because someone else stood up in his defense. Verse 17 but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and the Gentiles, us, might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. I love that perspective. At the end of his life, he recognized when no one else showed up, God showed up. I love the, the picture. What do you, what's the New Testament typically describe Jesus Christ as seated at the, at, the, at the right hand of the Father? What does it say here? That he stood in his defense. There's the same thing that you, that you see uh, throughout the New Testament when someone's being opposed. When Stephen was about to be stoned, it refers to him getting a glimpse up into heaven and seeing there Jesus standing in his defense. When you're feeling deserted and left and abandoned, you know what? That's when Jesus gets up, gets out of the seas, like, man, I'm standing in your defense. I'm standing to represent you. It's an awesome picture and an awesome reality for us to cling to when we're going through difficult times. It's an awesome truth. And what, is it, what does he say that he did? He says that first, he says he gave them strength. He empowered them. God empowers us to make it through this. But then I love it. He says, so then I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me for every deed. What did he, what did he rescue him from? Not from the loneliness not from the discomfort or opposition, not for prison or even death. What God rescued him from was unfaithfulness, not staying the course, not staying the course. That, that was Paul's biggest dread is that he wouldn't be able to finish. He wanted to make sure, look at the text, he said he wanted to make sure that the message went out. 
He wanted to make sure that he's protected from the attacks of the, the, the lion, which is referred to as Satan throughout the New Testament. He didn't want to disqualify himself because of evil deeds. He wanted to stay faithful till the very end. That's what the Lord rescued him from. The Lord rescued him from unfaithfulness. And what does it say? That he's going to be brought safely into the heavenly kingdom keeping his eyes throughout this on eternity. He didn't get off track. He didn't allow these obstacles. So what are, what are some of our takeaways from this text, just as I conclude here? What are some, maybe some of those obstacles as you're reading through them, you're like, man, that is, that is right on for me, man. The, the loneliness deal, that is, that is a reality. The trying to figure out how to, to live and, and do with, with less because some of the, the sacrifices that I've made for Christ, that's my, that might be your reality. You might resonate with that. For some of us, you're like, man, the, the, the peace of having people oppose me, man, I'm in the middle of that right now. Or for many of you, you're like, man, I just feel abandoned and left by people around me. I don't know which obstacle it is, or I don't know if maybe your list, this was, this was Paul's list. We could probably sit here together today and come up with a list a mile long of the obstacles in following Christ. But I don't know what the list is, but the same thing is true is there's that hope and that charge to finish strong regardless. I would love for this to be a, a body of Christ that's like, there, there's no stories of someone that started poorly and finished poorly. There's no stories of someone that started strong and finished poorly. There's only stories of people that started poorly and finished strong or started strong and finished strong. Like, period. There's, there's no room for anything else. That's the hope and prayer for us as the body of Christ. And that's why we come together every week, pouring ourselves into, into God's word, worshiping him, elevating him appropriately. He goes on, just to conclude the text, he goes on with some final greetings and celebrating some of the people that he probably never got a chance to see again. But I love the way that he, that he releases in verse 22, the way that he releases all of us. He says, the Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you. The reason he was able to release the people that he cared about the most and let go, even not seeing them, he's saying, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. He was releasing them into the Lord's hand. And the very last thing that he says in this whole letter, probably the last thing that, that he penned, in his, or the last thing that's documented that, that he penned is, what does he say? Grace be with you. Grace be with you. His, his very last words, the last thing that we know that Paul, the uh, man of Christ, the last thing that he, he wished for us was that grace, grace, undeserved favor would be with us. Even to us, a, a couple thousand years later, for us, that hope. And my question for us as we close and conclude this series, are you experiencing God's grace have you experienced God's grace? That was Paul's very last wish. He was saying, man, I want to pass this on. I want to leave you with this last big idea, grace. Some of you have been maybe sitting through this whole series and you're just like, yeah, that's cool thinking about eternity, but you've never personally bent your knee and embraced Jesus' death as payment for your sin. My hope and prayer is that today you would not leave this service today without getting that figured out, without getting that right. We're going to have a last song that we end with here, but my hope and prayer is for each of us to wrestle through. A lot of you are in here, you're like, man, I've been following the Lord for, for, for decades, man. And my, my hope and charge to you is keep on going. Watch out for those obstacles. Keep on going. But for some of you, if you're honest in your heart of hearts, you've never made that choice. 
We're going to have an opportunity at the, at the end of the service when I come back up. If there is somebody uh, that wants to make that decision, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. And so I just hope that this time is a chance for you to reflect on that choice as we conclude this series. Thanks. What a great song to conclude that thought, how desperate we are for him. We can't do this apart from him. We can't make it through those obstacles. I want to just open this up, and we're going to just take just a second. I'm going to have Chad just play for an extra minute. And if there is somebody in here that, that hasn't made that choice, that you've made the choice to bend your knee and embrace Jesus' death as payment for your sin, I want to provide that opportunity even in the, these moments. There's always the awkward time in church world where you're like, I don't know what's going what's to happen here. And, and, and my prayer, my hope is that somebody would take a risk. I'm going to give a, a couple moments here where somebody would just make the choice to come forward. We'll pray with you at the end of the service. Make the choice to, to walk forward and say, you know what, this is going to be the day. This is going to be the day that I'm going to go from darkness into light. This is going to be the day that I make the decision to redirect my eternity. What a, what a mind-boggling thing. I want to open that up as an opportunity just here as we conclude. We'll just bow our heads. Just have a, a moment, a, sec, a second just before we conclude in prayer. Just to, If there's somebody in here that, that feels that tug, I just feel led to do that. Just be quiet here just for a moment. God, I thank you for this time in your word, this time, the sneak peek that we've had into this letter by this godly man, Paul, writing to Timothy, just with so many words of challenge and encouragement. I just pray that it's been encouraging, refreshing for this body. I pray that you'd help us just having an eye, that this would be, be maybe the, the tap of the brakes to, to be able to recognize the obstacles before us, God, and finishing strong. God, I pray if there is someone here this morning that, that hasn't made that choice, God, that they would make the choice even today to come up after the service, talk to one of us as, as leaders, God. We recognize that this is a critical, critical choice. Pray this all in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Pray you guys have a fantastic week in the Lord. One quick reminder, one of the things that we, areas that we serve as a church is through a ministry called Operation Embrace. And they're doing a kind of a rally to gather some things for Christmas for a needed uh, food pantry that we support there. And so if you guys want to find out some information about that, they'll be right at the info table just following the service. I pray you have a fantastic week in the Lord. God bless you.